This week on a lively experiment, the push to the end of the legislative session will tell you what's in and what's out. Most college students in Rhode Island are facing a mandate to get vaccinated if they want to return to campuses this fall. So why not the faculty at the state's public institutions? A lively experiment is generously underwritten by. For more than 30 years, a lively experiment has provided insight and analysis of important political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm John Hazen White Jr. and I'm proud to support this great program in Rhode Island PBS. Joining us with the analysis, Angel Tavares, the former mayor of Providence, attorney and former prosecutor Eva Marie Mancuso, and former state representative Nick Gorham. Hello everyone, I'm Jim Hummel. It is great to have you with us this weekend. There were no surprises Thursday night as the full house passed a $13 billion state budget. You heard that correctly along party lines as they do annually. The House Republicans offered up a host of amendments to no avail. Let's begin with the guy who has sat in the chamber for all of these discussions over the years, Representative Gorham. Um, as you look at this budget, it's kind of hard with the numbers, 11 billion, 14 billion, 13 billion. What's your general takeaway on this budget? There's a lot of money to spend and not really a lot of specificity about how they're going to spend it. So, which is um, probably just wetting the appetites of a lot of uh, people in government. Uh, it's a dangerous budget. I mean, so much money that they want to spend and there's no real specificity on how it's supposed to be done. I realize it's, it's <clears throat> inflated a lot, but we talked about this last week. It's inflated a lot by the federal money. How do you go back next year and say, well, we're only going to do an 11 and a half, 11 and a half billion or 12 billion. How do you do that? I don't think that's of any concern. <laughs> first of right all, right now, right, right now. Um, but I, I think that's the real caution that uh, the Republicans were talking about. What are we going to do next year when we come back here and we've spent all this money? Everybody's going to want a repeat. They're going to want a, you know, a replay, whatever. And we're not going to have the money unless we really raise taxes. So um, it's a dangerous budget. It really is. A lot of increases. Well, all the Democrats are committed to not raising taxes. In fact, you know, continuing the card tax phase out and and really holding the line on taxes, I think, is is a real testament to uh, to our government. They they hear it. People are don't don't want to have increased taxes. Um, I think it's I think it's dangerous if um, you start with new programs. Uh, but there are so many programs out there, and after the pandemic, so many people that are in need right now, that um, I don't see that the budget is anything other than a win for people that really need it as of right now. I mean, you can't leave the federal money on the table or pass on it. Um, that would be that would be almost malpractice to do that. So we bring it in. And as long as we're using it um, in a judicious way for programs that we already have uh, to help people that are most in need, then I think it's a win. Uh, but you're right in terms of if you don't have the specificity in terms of um, future programs, you know, this is not the time to say we're going to have, you know, 27 new people come out here with different ideas. Um, and I think that, that the speaker will be very judicious about making sure that the money goes where it needs to go. 
Well, I, I just thought to myself that I was mayor at the wrong time when I saw that budget. So I was, I mean, <laughs> Didn't have to beg for money, right? So, uh, listen, I mean... He's this, making his announcement right now uh, as we speak. Let, let me tell you, I mean, they were out of the state house. I think, about 8 o'clock last night. And I, and I think uh, Representative Gorham would say, that's unusual. Well, that it's unusual is. to have this amount he of money. He used to see the sun come up. That's right, yeah. that's right. So, uh, but it's easier to pass a budget when you have... when you. The question is, how are we going to spend it, right? Uh, and you have all that money. So um, I was really happy to see the investment in housing um, that that I think is really important because housing prices are going through the roof um, also rent prices I mean people to get an apartment it's very very expensive I was also really happy to see that uh, they put money aside to help people who are late on utilities um, because I think um, a lot of folks particularly lower income folks have suffered a lot through this pandemic and so to see some of those investments and um, I think are very positive and in terms of some of those for example helping with the utilities that's probably a one-time deal, right? Um, it's for, for this time period. So I think that they looked at uh, many things, but they had options. They had great options because um, it really is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And um, if I'm correct, um, I think they have more money coming in for next year, right? That's right. So, um, so they're very fortunate in that sense. Um, so are the municipalities that are going to have a lot of money coming out um, as well. Um, so uh, it's it's a not a bad time to so have get to back develop to me a in budget. 2025 on, on the out years. Now, I did not plan this, but we have three attorneys <laughs> here. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Is this we, the beginning of a joke? Yeah, well, <laughs> three attorneys and a reporter sat down on the set. Um, we were talking about, like, so the, the, the Republicans last night, that were taping on a Friday uh, morning, Thursday night, said this whole emergency order. And there's been a lot of chafing about uh, we've been in an emergency order for years, it really emergency order. You had an interesting observation about that. The, the House Republicans wanted to lower it to 90, 90 days. They said, no, let's keep it at 180. There's a simple solution to this, isn't well, there? Well, existing law right now, uh, there's a statute on the books that was passed by the General Assembly that gives the governor the ability to declare an emergency. And it also gives the House and the Senate uh, the power to dissolve that emergency by a simple, I think it's a resolution that they passed, but it's an existing statute right now that the House and Senate... Anytime. Can, anytime. But there's a problem with that. That means that the House must act. The House and Senate have to come together, have a special session, whereas I think the point the Republicans were making, which is a very good point, is, look, let's set it at 90. Let's force ourselves to evaluate. Way, right? right. And then yeah. if it's really a dire need, then we'll renew it. Um, and, you know, it, let's face it, uh, despite many uh, members of the General Assembly who thought they should discuss whether to continue this emergency order. They never got together to do it. Counselor? They didn't even yeah. vote on I, it last it's night. It's arbitrary. It's arbitrary. Whether you take 90 days or 180 days, the whole reason to have the law is that if it's being used in a non-judicious way or an over-the-top way, then the House and Senate come together, now by Zoom, and they decide it's over. Right. End of story. I'm well, just uh, more comfortable with a short porch. Well, but but there way. is a short porch. And that is in the statute now. The reason that uh, Governor Raimondo and also Governor McKee are renewing the orders is because the statute provides that they expire after a certain period of time, um, and they have to be renewed. So they can extend, they can declare a state of emergency um, for a certain period of time, and then they have to be renewed by the governor. And the fact that the House and Senate have to act, good. That's what, that's what they're there for, right? Is to, well, and they, a lot of people have been critical that they were on the bench. For, we've talked about right. that on Lively. Right. They were on the bench all fall. I think part of that was Nick Mattiello was in the fight of his life and, you know, it was like, okay, Governor, you do your thing. Final thought on that? 
all the more reason to have a very short period, you know, a shorter period. All right. Because it shouldn't be because the speaker is in the fight of his life that you can't meet. Yeah. If it's mandated, it doesn't matter. They have to meet. Yeah, what a shock so. that three lawyers would have different opinions on uh, <laughs> all of that. Um, let's stick with the General Assembly. There's been a lot of talk. The Senate resurrected something that Gina Raimondo tried to get done and didn't. Dr uh, driver's licenses for undocumented, some would say illegal, whatever. They've carved out this thing. It looks now just late this week that Spe Speaker Sakarchi says he's not going to take this up. On the concept of that, there's been a lot of debate. What is your thought? There has that? been. Um, I'm in favor of it. I, I think that um, our undocumented members are at Rhode Islanders. These are not people that are coming in to get a license, what have you. And it's very important that they have to meet the same qualifications and the same requirements as everybody else in the state of Rhode Island. They have to have uh, they not only have to have a li should have a license. They need to be insured. Um, they need to participate in our in our criminal justice system in a way that we can track people down. So, I think that it's very important that we do um, have have the licenses for people that are in Rhode Island. Nick, well, people come to this country in this state because there are great inducements to come here and. You can never blame the people who come here for coming here. Uh, typically, they're coming from a much harder life, and they are here for a reason. They want a future for their kids and a future for themselves. So there is a really good argument for um, giving them driver's licenses. And I think we just have to acknowledge that they're already here. Um, the problem is the price tag. It's kind of expensive to do. I think you're going to see a lot of pushback in the General Assembly. Uh, but, you know, as an idea, I really don't have an objection to it. We're, 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 um, we've got to start acknowledging the people who are here are here uh, because we've made this a great place and they want to come here. It's not their fault. It yeah. really isn't. The two questions I had legally getting insurance and, and taxes. Now, most people would have to have a Social Security number. There would be a taxpayer identification number. What, do you see that as an obstacle, or is that just stuff you got to work through? Well, I think you have to work through it, but it's great to see that we're kind of all in agreement here because I think, look, the, the real question is, would you rather have licensed, insured drivers on the road or unlicensed, uninsured drivers on the road? And I'm going to let you know whether they pass this law or not. Uh, people are going to still be driving, yeah. um, and they won't have insurance. They won't have licenses if they don't pass the law. So I think that the idea of having licensed, insured drivers on the road is much, much better um, for us, for public safety, um, for a whole host of reasons. Yeah. Um, and in terms of, of, of the tax ID number, there was a time where you could get a license with a tax ID number. So I think that they would have to change the law to address this. There's also some interplay with the real ID so that you wouldn't be able to use this to get on a plane or, or things like that because of And the concern the about voting then eventually this is going to be the path yeah, of voting. Yeah, I mean, but it's, it's the concern about voting is silly and here's why. <laughs> Think about this. You're in this country, you don't have documents, so you decide that you're going to show up at a polling place. <laughs> you're going to show up at a polling place where you have all sorts of people watching. With the police. Right? With the police. <laughs> you, poli you have all sorts and they have a list of people who are supposed to be able to and vote. And you're not and on you're, it. And you're going to go and you're going to decide to vote. Boy, that's some really bold, bold move there, right? So I think it's just silly um, in terms of that concern. But, um, but I think it's a good law. But I want to say one thing, and that is we can't stop focusing on the federal piece of this, and that is we need federal immigration reform.
I always find it ironic that, so, you know, years years ago, you didn't have to have insurance, right? How crazy is right. that? I was in Massachusetts uh, where I got my license, and, you know, you have to get insurance, and then you go to the registry. Here, you go to the registry, and then years ago, you just got insurance if you wanted to. So everybody's required to have insurance, but they still charge you for uninsured motorists. Right. Right? So right. In case, and I said, so why should I have to pay for them? This has got nothing to do with the, with the undocumented, but I always find that ironic. Well, 10% of the people drive around with no insurance anyway, right? right? But I agree with you because if there's a hit and run and you're undocumented, the chances of your taking off are a lot greater. Right. Absolutely. So I would say the, the speaker says there are issues to work out about cost. I assume this will be next year. But but you think it'll, you think it'll go through in the House? Or you think there'll be some opposition? I think there will be opposition. I, I think it's hard to see all the Republicans getting on board. But look, like, like I said, people are here. They're here for a pretty good reason most of the time. And um, you're right about the insurance and everything. I, I think eventually it's almost inevitable. It's going to happen. Okay. It's going to happen in Rhode Island. Well, um, you know, on, on this, in a different, in a different area, but the same issue, um, in-state tuition for undocumented kids um, was something that I, you know, that's that was really a showpiece of when I was chair of the Board of Education, and it could never pass the legislature because they couldn't get. Um, agreement on both sides, but we passed it as a policy, and it's still in effect today. And you know, because you were educating the kids K through twelve, correct? So the extension, why not? Right? So I look right. at it and I say, I don't know if there's a policy that could change. I don't know enough about. It. I haven't researched it, but it'll be interesting if there's a non-legislative uh, way um, to to meet the same objective like we were able to meet do through the Board of Education. I don't know the answer to well, the and question. I think, but Dan McKee has spoken to that, and I think it's a smart political move. He said, I favor this, but I'm not issuing an executive order. You, you know, legislature, this is your deal. Could the DMV or somebody else, are you saying, from a I don't policy? know. I don't know. I'm just... Uh, I, I just I'm I'm thinking out loud just because we found a way through the Board of Education to pass the policy constitutionally. It was it was challenged constitutionally and upheld um, to meet the same objective that really for years um, our minority community had gone through and tried to get a legislation passed. Right. We were able to do it through policy. So I just don't know. Well, sixteen other states um, have done it. So maybe you know we look at other states and see right. what they've you done, know, whether it's legislative or administrative. So. I think the politics are getting better and better for it because uh, our state's becoming more and more diverse. And, you know, a lot of these people who are here, they may be undocumented, but uh, there's a lot of sympathy for them among, uh, you know, the minority voters who are not going to be a minority that much longer. Let's Isn't face it interesting, it. too, on the tide? Uh, which is kind of the point. The tide has changed on Definitely. this, on legalization of marijuana, which four or five years ago, and then casinos. Remember right. going back to the mid, no, casinos, and it got voted down. Now it's like ho-hum, right? So I think it's sometimes well, just a matter of time. Maybe not for you. A couple of issues there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll get that. We'll get that next time. Again, we have three attorneys on the panel, so this is good. Uh, I noted this week that you are, uh, CCRI and Rick are joining and we have a former Board of Education <laughs> chairman, so this is good. CCRI and Rick are joining URI and a bunch of other schools in terms of requiring students to be vaccinated. What struck me as odd is that they're not requiring the faculty, staff, or administrators. They're strongly encouraging that. Double standard? What do you think? Well, it, it certainly seems that way to me. And I'll be honest, for folks out there watching, please get vaccinated if you haven't gotten vaccinated. And do it for people you love. Um, the issue with this, if 
uh, not getting vaccinated only impacted you, well, then that, that reasonably a uh, personal decision. But the problem is it impacts all of us because it makes my understanding, at least I'm not uh, a doctor, but my understanding is that it makes the uh, possibility of a variant um, becoming resistant to the vaccine a lot more uh, uh, greater, um, which means it impacts all of us who have been vaccinated. It impacts people who have not been vaccinated. So the idea of, of not being vaccinated, I mean, you're impacting not just yourself, but a lot of people. Um, and so um, I think that um, I have no problems requiring the vaccination. Um, and by the way, we require it for so many other things. Yeah, right. um, so <laughs> I just think that it's the time that we're living in right now. And it's just unfortunate that we're living in a time where there's so much resistance um, to common sense. What about the what about the double standard in my mind? You know, um, as a trial lawyer, when somebody's already said it all, you just say <laughs> I concur. Nothing further. Are you going to file a friend of the court no brief with nothing them? Nothing further, because you know what? Um, and the only thing that I would add to it is uh, having been chair of the board of education and having done contract negotiations um, at that level is that um, it's disappointing that the leadership hasn't mandated it for our university professors and for our staff. Well, do you yeah. think there's a legal issue? Well, there, uh, I, I think there's a sticking there's, point there's, there is, with the unions it, or, I think it's a bargaining issue, but I also think there is legal things. I mean, if somebody really does have a, a medical reason not they've to have it. They've got a waiver. Right. Students too. I, I agree. I agree. So why not have your faculty and staff go through the same thing? Um, and like, students who are hesitant then they say, well, why are you giving this guy a pass? Right. 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 And Angel, Angel's so. absolutely correct. I mean, it's, it's not just about you. It's not just about you. It's the same reason why we mandate our children that go to first grade need their polio vaccine. It's because it's not just about them or, or the other, you know, all of the other vaccines we already have. It's just, it's disappointing. It's disappointing. So just days, be, I'm a URI alum, and my son goes there, so I have to be careful here. But um, You and Eve are going to sing the fight so, song yeah. afterwards. So, <laughs> so here's, just days before this uh, controversy arose, I made my annual donation to URI. But I have to say, and I hope they're watching, the optics on this are awful. They really need to fix it. It's not, it looks terrible. Can I tell you? So I called. I was doing talk radio this week, and I, I, I thought it was odd. So I contacted the spokespeople for Rick, uh, CCRI, and URI. And I talked to Dave LaValle. Great guy. He's always been mm. very responsive. And he said, look, I'm going to talk to our human resources people. He said, I haven't heard back, which means to me, kind of indicates to me if it was an easy answer, it would be quick. He never got back to me. And no offense to Dave, but I just, I, I wonder if this is, some, and I heard crickets from Rick and CCRI. Maybe they, and I said, just give me the reasoning. I'm not saying I agree with it <laughs> there or is not. None. I, I don't think there is, but maybe you hit on it with the bargaining. Yep. Oh, I think that's it. Yeah. The, the AAU, I think it is uh, just... So All right. No way. While we have the former mayor of Providence and the former board of education chief here, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about Providence schools. Um, been a lot of bumps. And look, COVID threw everything off statewide. But um, I was encouraged to see, Angel, let's begin with you. I don't know if you know the new superintendent. He's a lifelong guy there, uh, Mr. Mon uh, Monterra. Uh, Mont Montanez. Yes, Montanez. sorry. Yep. Um, Javier Montanez. Uh, I don't even know where to begin. I just I thought because we have both of you on, and Nikki can certainly chime in, it seems like a lost two years, but I'm hoping that it gets turned around. What are you thinking? And I know you don't like to, to criticize. You know, you're kind of the guy out of the – but, but you're – 
you care about Providence. So. Well, absolutely. Look, um, the Superintendent Montanez um, is really an opportunity for a fresh start. Um, he did an outstanding job at, um, at his school um, that he had a, the um, uh, dual language school um, and he has a fantastic story, uh, backstory. He knows Rhode Island, knows Providence, so I'm excited for him and I wish him well. I do think progress has been made over the last several years and the Commissioner of Education can talk uh, about those things and I know she talked about it recently at a hearing uh, with respect to it. Um, it's a challenge. Uh, the Providence Teachers Union, they're very, very good at uh, representing teachers and so um, they're going, you know, they, they have, and by the way, that's their duty uh, under the law. You have a duty of fair representation. But I do want to add one thing that I was really excited about that people did not, maybe not watched. Um, Representative Agello rep, uh, sponsored a bill in the House that passed the House that made charter school lotteries opt-out lotteries, mm. which means that everyone will be able to be part of that lottery. And the reason I'm excited about it is because I think it's going to eliminate one of the arguments that a lot of folks make against charter schools that, well, you're taking the best kids and that's why the, they do so well. Um, it, because I don't think that's the case at all. I think what we see is that a longer school day, longer school year, uh, strong curriculum, and having the principal have autonomy, being able to pick their staff, and that's a, pick, that's a really sticky point right there because that means seniority is not the determining factor. That's been the main where. sticking point. And, uh, and I think that those are the things that really will help turn our schools around, and we've seen it with Achievement First, we've seen it um, overall, and I believe that. So I'm, I applaud Representative Vigella for uh, sponsoring the bill, the House for passing it. I hope the Senate will as well, so we can put that argument aside and stop focusing on the things that matter. First of all, <clears throat> why did it take us so long to find a homegrown superintendent? Exactly. That's what I say first of all and uh, kudos to, to Governor McKee for making that happen because mm -hmm. I believe that that's where it came from. Um, I, um, I don't think there's been a lot of movement in Providence. Um, there's an urgency and I said this you know, eight, nine years ago when I'd sit with Governor Chafee and I'd say to him, we're losing a generation of kids. Nobody feels the urgency. And he'd say, no, Eva, no, we're the best country in the world. And, you know, we have the best system. We need to feel that urgency now. Um, and I, I don't think we're moving quick enough. I think that um, we need to really step that up in terms of, of the change that's happening. Give the autonomy to the principals now. Yeah, I just want to say one thing to my good friend, um, and we've been friends for a long time. I mean, I, I felt the urgency. I mean, yeah. and, oh, I, and, I, I, and I, I felt it, and, and that's why we opened up, uh, thanks to uh, the Board of Education, we opened up uh, Achievement, Achievement First, First on a five to right. four vote. Five that's to right. four vote, which is now one of the top performing uh, yep. schools yep. Uh, across the state. Um, we, we extended the school day 15 minutes. People made fun of that for 15 minutes, but for the last uh, nine years, kids have been going to school 15 minutes more than before. When you add that yeah, up Yeah, they've over, never forgiven you for that. I'm sure they haven't, but, but uh, we fought very hard, um, very very hard in terms of doing the very best we could to put the best teachers in the classroom. So I, I, I disagree with ago, that. I, but how so. long ago have, have you, how long have you been out there? Yeah, no, it's that's, it's, that's the problem. Uh, about that, 25 pounds out. That, so, <laughs> <laughs> the rubber chicken, let me, it, no, Nick. I think that's what happened. Let me just finish that up because I think that's what happens is it becomes individually spe specific. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, look at the Board of Education. I mean, I'm not saying I was the greatest chair ever, but I pushed and pushed and pushed. You, you haven't seen a lot of pushing mm -hmm. on, under this board. So mm -hmm. I think that it, it becomes in our state individually specific and and that has to gain some momentum and that's what that's the problem that I have is that we have a kickstart because achievement first is 
terrific. I mean, charter schools, the proof is in the pudding. Look at what they do. Look at how they succeed. And it looks like Governor McKee has signaled, even if you pass that bill on the three-year moratorium, oh, absolutely. it's, it's absolutely. going down. Nick? Well, to um, answer your question, which was the local... Yeah, what uh, was my question? Super, it started with the local superintendent. Yes. And I, I think... That that was probably a good move, but I don't think that's the issue. I think Providence is just absolutely overwhelmed with what I was talking about earlier. We're, it's it's a we offer a lot of inducements for people to come to Rhode Island, uh, especially people who are moving into the United States for the first time, and a lot of these people don't don't speak English, uh, but they're here. They're blameless. You can't blame them for wanting to come here, but it's a major burden on the Providence schools. Uh, unless they're bilingual, and they're really not. And uh, a lot of these kids don't speak any English at all. It's a very, very challenging situation for Providence. I, uh, and again, uh, I've known Nick for a long time. I just want to, because I'm sitting here, I have to say, um, part of what we have seen, and I use Achievement First because I know their results well, sure. is um, if you extend the school day, if you extend the school year, if you have a strong curriculum, you can address the language issues. We have English language learners, which is right. what you're talking about, people who don't know um, English when they start school, and they're starting school as English language learners, and by the time they're like in second grade, they are uh, proficient, uh, or they're doing very, very well. So I disagree that it's the, uh, the students and that we can't do anything about it. We absolutely can, but we have to have the will to do it. We have to have the determination to do it. Um, and well, I'm saying although they I, I had both, they and maybe that's it. why I'm sitting here today, right? But, um, but that, that is one of the, the issues that I would say. All right, fi final thought in that. I don't want to short you on outrageous. Do you just want to respond to that briefly? Well, I, I think I agree with, uh, with the mayor that there are things that have to be done, but I think we all agree that's what we're talking about. They haven't been done. All right, let's do the this. Changes uh, haven't been made. We may, need to be made. we may get back to it, but let me just uh, let me get to outrages and or kudos. Uh, Angel, let me begin with you. Which you have this week? Sure. Well, I have a kudos to the Judicial Nominating Commission. Uh, the Judicial Nominating Commission just sent five names for the district court uh, um, judgeship that's opened up, and I just wanted to uh, talk about one of the names. Fifteen years ago, about fifteen years ago, and my friends might remember this. About fifteen years ago, there was an opening for two traffic court. Tribu uh, magistrates, and there was a competitive process that the uh, legendary Chief Judge DeRobio put in, in place. There were two people who were suggested and picked by Chief Judge DeRobio. Um, one was a young African-American lawyer, um, and what ended up happening was, I, I think at that time, the General Assembly it was not their preferred candidates at the time, and those positions were actually defunded. And uh, there were two magistrates added to different courts appointed by someone else. So those, uh, the people who had been uh, suggested for the traffic court never got a chance to do that. Um, this week, um, uh, the, one of those uh, gentlemen uh, was sent to the governor as well, a list of five. Bill Tresvant, a uh, great uh, lawyer, former attorney general, uh, great worker, uh, very active in the community, and I'd love to see a good guy finish first. All right. Eva, what do you have? My kudos is to, to Governor Dan McKee for his uh, getting involved in the Providence teachers and the Providence school department issues and really taking over that. Um, putting his own people in charge and saying, you know, it's time, let's get a contract, let's get it done, let's move forward. So kudos to Governor McKee for getting involved. I would have loved to have seen what the conversations behind the scenes on that because you know there was a lot of pushing from him. Nick, what do you have? Outrage or kudos? Uh, <clears throat> it's a kudos this week. I we just... have three kudos. Come three on lawyers. now. Three See that? Come See on, no outrage. All right, I'll try harder. <laughs> yeah, all right. Next time you come in with an outrage, I young man. I usually have an outrage. Um, 
Well, I have to give kudos to the the Republicans in the House, the minority in the House, for coming up with some pretty good ideas uh, during the budget. Uh, they're outnumbered 65 to about 10, I think it is. And they stood up and they made their points, and I think a lot of people appreciated that. But in a broader sense, our state would be so much better off if we just had more balance between the two parties in this state. We desperately need it. If you look at our state historically, it's always done better when there's, it's, it's always been a better place when there's more balance. All right. I will leave it at that, folks. It is a quick 30 minutes. Angel, nice to see you again. And Eva and Nick. Uh, folks, uh, it is going to be a big week as we head into the home stretch of the General Assembly. Come back here next week as we will have it covered for you and a lively experiment continues. We hope you have a great weekend. is generously underwritten by. For more than 30 years, A Lively Experiment has provided insight and analysis of important political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm John Hazen White, Jr., and I'm proud to support this great program and Rhode Island PBS.